it's the next level. Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Fellow citizens of America, these are complicated times. Some of you are confused. Many of you are scared. You just found out that the president of the United States is not from Northern Iowa like you thought. She's from a planet somewhere out in the vast universe. Many of you feel betrayed because you were lied to. President Marsden took responsibility for that. She resigned from office. But the fear that's spreading in this country like wildfire isn't because the president lied. It's because she comes from someplace different. All of you know that I'm also from a different place, another planet. But I've lived here long enough to know that it doesn't matter where we were born because we are all the same. The character of a person or alien is not defined by where we are from, but by what we do. The people that exposed President Marsden wanted to divide us. They want us to turn on one another, live in fear, grow in hate. But I know we are better than that. I know we can work together with love and respect, treat our neighbors with kindness. I'm an alien, and I love this planet that I am proud to call home. I want what we all want, to be a good American. I will stand by the new administration as this nation begins to heal. And I'll continue to protect my friends and neighbors just as I always have. I hope you will all do the same. Welcome, Primers, into this issue 120 of the DC Primetime Podcast. From the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Camping Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. And we are back to full strength this week as we have four shows to talk about. All of our shows from the Arrowverse have returned with the Legends of Tomorrow premiere happening this week. And, of course, it also happens to be on a week where we apologize ahead of time if our voices sound a little scratchy because Rob and I both got sick over the course of the week. Mm-hmm. Yay. A whole bunch of people did right after that Halloween party. So. <laughs> yeah, well, and and it's it's funny too. Not just af- not just people at the party. Like, I, it, it seemed to be a bad week for a lot of people. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I had friends in uh, who weren't at that party who ended up getting sick too. Some of our friends who didn't make it to the party because they were sick, mm-hmm. and it didn't help because we all got sick anyway. And I'm sure you and me did the best thing in the world for ourselves by like recording till like four in the morning, uh, right after that. <sighs> God, I know. Um, yeah, and I do apologize. I know I start slurring like crazy by the end of that episode. I was so exhausted. 
just so un- just insanely exhausted. Yeah, we we both were. I mean, because you you probably went to bed right away. I had a forty five minute oh, drive home. I don't know how you did it. I I legitimately the moment you left, I walked in the bedroom and I was out. <laughs> That's all like, right. It's you know. Like, I get rambly near the end of that episode. I think it's because I'm so I'm just punch drunk at that point. And I'm like, I just need to sleep. Yeah. That's all I want. That's all right. We got the conversations in and uh, we got the job done, which is all that matters. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, as we mentioned, we're back to full strength with all four of the shows come back. Uh, so this week we have the second episode of Supergirls season to talk about, as well as Arrow, third episode of The Flash, and the season premiere of Legends of Tomorrow. If it's all right with you, sir, I want to go a little out of order this week. Um, sure thing. Uh, usually we go in the order that the show's premiere, so uh, that means we would go Supergirl, Arrow, Legends, and The Flash. But I want to reverse, I want to flip the last two and save Legends for last. One, because mainly because it was the season premiere. Right. So I, I want to talk about that one last, and then next week we'll go back into the uh, the order of operations properly. Sure. Uh, okay, let's jump into things then and get started right away since we are going to have a lot to talk about. Uh, for those of you that are new to listening to the podcast, here's how we do things. First off, we'll go through and Rob and I will give our one of three point ranking, that being sidekick, hero, or legend for each of the three, each of the four episodes, and then we will jump right back to the beginning and start a breakdown. So uh, let's start first with Supergirl, as I mentioned, season four, episode two. What are you going to give this week's episode, a sidekick, hero, or legend? Uh, Supergirl is getting a legend for me this week. I, I, I was really actually very blown away with uh, the caliber of the writing this week alone um, was just excellent. And I think they, they managed to uh, do a great job handling a really difficult topic in a very careful and calculated way. Very difficult topic, but very prevalent, uh, especially... With a lot of things that are happening in the country and some things that have happened more recently, uh, you know, with another shooting in this country and, you know, bombs being delivered to, you know, certain political targets and, and things like that. It's something that's very prevalent today. And Supergirl is making no bones about the fact that they are making a political statement this season. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they, they've done a they've done a heavy job of doing that over the last couple of years. This year, they're leaning into it the hardest they ever have before, but they're also doing, I think, the best they ever ever have before, and it's proof positive in two episodes. I, I agree with you completely, and that's for that reason, I'm giving this episode a legend as well this week. Uh, next up, we have Arrow, Season 7, Episode 2, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I'm going to give this one a hero. Um, I... I we'll get into it yeah <laughs> so um I'm, I'm right there with you it's it's a mid-range hero for me it, it's not to say i didn't enjoy the episode or that the episode was horrible uh it, it's it i feel like we have to defend ourselves a little bit now when we give some of these episodes lower ratings only because of how we rated episodes last season yes uh, so far we're not anywhere close to as bad as last season so no, no. this episode getting a hero does not mean I did not enjoy it. It just um, means comparing it to the season premiere, um, it wasn't as good. Again, uh, the, when we give a hero, it means it was a fine episode. It was good. It this just wasn't great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and like I said, again, knowing that, that way that that scale works for us, uh, the only episodes that should be getting legends are the ones that are truly just, these are incredibly memorable and exceedingly well done. Yes. So, uh, all right. 
So, uh, let's go with The Flash, Season 5, Episode 3, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Also Hero, so... Uh, okay, uh, we're going to be different on this one. Uh, I'm going Legend okay. on this one. Low-tier Legend, but I'm giving this one a Legend. I, I actually really, really enjoyed this episode. And last but not least, we have Legends of Tomorrow, the uh, Season 4 premiere of Legends of Tomorrow, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? It's getting a legend. No question about it. <laughs> I had a feeling. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Legend. So many great memory. Uh, so many great moments of this. Uh, as I said, we we saved this one for last this week uh, because I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about when it comes to this yeah. episode. And that's awesome. I'm just really happy to say that all four shows all getting uh, legends for their premieres. So really happy, and it keeps me very very uh, excited for what hopefully the season's going to bring. Yeah, it's and you know and and three out of four of them got legends from me this week. So it's. Uh, these seasons are, while only two, three episodes in, one for, you know, Legends of Tomorrow, they're they're getting really strong starts this season, which is very promising and leaves me very hopeful for things that we're going to get to talk about this season. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. we, we mentioned last, uh, over the summer, that it got to a point with you and I that when it came to certain shows, mainly Arrow, and even a little bit with The Flash, that we, we almost didn't want there were almost days where we would look at the fact that we had to record and we were like oh do we do we do we have to record and it wasn't because we don't love recording it was because oh, we have to talk about arrow like i, I it, it was almost like a down point that we didn't want to get to it and that's gone this yeah. season for for any of them that we don't have that from any of these shows mm-hmm. which is Not good. true it's still early but we'll see uh, all right, let's jump back to the beginning and start breaking down the episodes this week, uh, starting with Supergirl Season 4, Episode 2, Fallout. When a shocking revelation brings chaos to National City, Supergirl sets out to capture Mercy Graves. Yeah, so as we mentioned, very, very big political statement this uh, this season, and very heavy-handed, but not in a bad way. They're, they're leaning into it, as you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot that we see. We've, we've already seen that Otis is captured. Uh, we see President, Car- uh, President uh, Marson step down, as we knew was pos- most likely going to happen. And we see Vice President Baker, a.k.a. Bruce Boxletner, uh, come into the mix and step up. My question to you, and we'll, we'll kick it off with this. Do we think that Vice President Baker is going to be a force of good or a force of kind of nefarious when it comes to this season we're we're gonna see kind of more nefarious out of him i i think we're gonna see a more um a less open um president than what we saw with linda carter so uh, i think we're gonna definitely see a big shift and i think we're gonna see a little bit more of a uh a mirror held up into the real world uh, yet again Okay. Yeah, and and that was kind of the the feeling that I was getting from it too, especially considering the fact that we got that whole scene with Supergirl and Vice President Baker together towards the end after he's ta- doing the swearing in, and I love the the little nod. It's very quick, so quick that you might have missed it, but you see him actually using his thumb on one of the devices to show that he's not an alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time when he's doing the swearing in, so that this time they know that he's not an alien like uh, President Marston was. And we get that whole scene with, with Supergirl and Vice President uh, Baker as to, you know, President Baker saying, I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to have your support. And 
you know, Supergirl saying, well, I support the country. It doesn't matter who's in charge of it. And that's a big statement to make, especially in current events. And, yeah. you know, I, I want to make this perfectly clear. We're Rob and I, we, we, we're going to talk politics, but only because that's what this episode is about. And I'm sure future episodes are going to be about. It has nothing to do with us pushing our agendas. No, I want to make that perfectly um, clear from the beginning. Exactly. I mean, it's going to be, I'm sure, based on the way that we respond to certain things, you're going to very much know what our agendas are. We yes. will never outwardly say them on the show. Exactly, because you know that's not our our that's intention. Not why we're here, so. Yeah, that's not our intention at all. So, if anything comes across in a in a, in a, a misappropriate way, we're apologizing ahead of time. So, I just yes. want to make that clear. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I think we're going to get something that's going to be reflective of, of current day with President with Vice President Baker. President Baker, now, um, I can drop the vice at this point. And there were many, many other things in this episode that are of the same ilk, that are kind of very much holding a mirror up to today's, uh, to today's issues. Right. And the thing about it is, too, I don't know if it was as if the writers knew how prevalent it was going to be at the time that they filmed, because let's forget, let's not forget they filmed this weeks ago. And then with everything that's going on today, man, this country is more divided than it ever has been. And that's exactly what we're seeing out of this show. Yeah, no, it's, I, I think they knew, I, I think they could see the writing on the wall and they, they happened to release an episode that matched the, for timing. Um, uh, I hate to say it, but it, it, it matched perfectly as far as timing. So that message was very loud and clear. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you jump back to the beginning of the episode and the episode starts, um, you know, with President Marsden stepping down and, you know, Supergirl saying, I'm sorry that things have to be this way. But you look outside the White House and there are two groups, uh, one saying that we have to love everybody and the other one saying that aliens need to go home. That's a strong statement because that's exactly where this country is right now. Um, the thing that made me chuckle a little bit was the fact that they had the lawn, they had the the lines divided in the center of the White House, almost like there was a gate there, and there's no gate to the White House there. Yeah, <laughs> that that just made me chuckle a little bit. It's like, why did you do that there? Yeah. I, I don't get that, but you know, it is what it is. It is, yeah, yeah. So. Um, and then we're seeing, you know, things kind of reflective, not just outside of the White House, but also inside the DEO, which kind of sets up something that happens later in the episode. We're seeing two members of the DEO uh, kind of get into an argument as to, um, you know, what 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 the way things should be, that whether we should support aliens, whether we should not support aliens. And then we see it reflective in probably what was actually my favorite part of the episode, uh, or my favorite element of the story of this episode, we see it happen inside uh, the newspaper. Yeah, in Catco. Uh, and, I think that, and that was the sequence. I think was the one that was like, wow, that was uh, that was awesome. That was incredibly well done. Yeah. Um, and not awesome in a yay. This is exciting. More of like, uh, oh, that hits you right in the feels. Um, but yeah, we're we're seeing a, I think a, you know a potential breakout character this season with Nian. Uh, with Nia Nall. I, I think she's going to be a really unique, interesting piece to this puzzle. Um, so, yeah, very, very happy with what they're doing here. And, you know, her, you know, chemistry on screen with uh, James was really, I think, quite, 
quite a massive highlight of the episode. So yeah, agreed. Uh, no, and I agree with you completely. I think Nian Hall is going to be a breakout character this season, too. And we finally get the the transgender um, reveal of her character, for those of you that did not know. I mean, we talked about that last week because we knew about that. Uh, you know, she is a transgender actress, and she's playing a transgender character in the show. So, uh, and that, I, I think, up in, I don't think that was ever revealed last week. I think this is the first time we're hearing of that, of her right. character. Correct. Yeah, this is the first time that they're making mention of that. So they do kind of correlate uh you know transgendered rights uh in with the kind of idea of aliens obviously they're not dealing with like any kind of trans rights in this but it's very much about you know people that feel different and you know can't connect and are being you know persecuted you know in the streets um it's something that's also happening right now too uh so it's just um yeah sorry i keep stalling my throat keeps like tightening up on me no i'm I'm right there trust me i i, so. I feel you because i'm kind of <laughs> i'm pushing through it right now so so but yeah i think they they did a really good job here on, on handling uh, handling that i mean there's one other pieces we didn't even talk about too with with the deo is we see uh brainiac brainiac 5 actually deal with um you know his inhibitor getting hacked and while he's at a place where you know he goes to pick up pizza and it's a place that he goes all the time. They know him like there's a friendly rapport there. And then all of a sudden, when they realize he's an alien, you see it get ready to turn violent. And we see Nia show up there in that sequence later in the episode as well. Um, so, I, again, we're also, you know, we can might as well just connect these two dots. But we also seem like we are getting the first connection point that Nia Nall and Brainiac <laughs> 5 uh, know each other somehow. So it's there's that connection starting to kind of. Um, show up so one of those things that we're, we're definitely going to be seeing down the road Do, but, so we think they they know each other already yes she's a memory serves correctly in the comics she is indeed a member of the legion it's just a member of at what point in time is she a member of the legion okay so, okay yeah so. i i wasn't aware of the fact that she was a member actually i think i did know that she was a member of the legion i just kind of let it slip my mind yeah I, well, again it's you know there was a news story that broke months and months and months and months ago uh so and you never know what they're going to do in a tv show you're like oh, okay that that name definitely sounds familiar for the comic books are they going to go the way that we think they're going to go or are they going to do something completely different like the flash and david hirsch being cicada you know anything can change if they want it to change yeah so it's interesting to see how it's going to play out but I'm, I'm curious to see that kind of unfold a little bit more but the way that they're handling all these little pieces so far as far as the xenophobia in the country and in national city, I think they're handling it in a perfect way. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think they're they're handling it with I don't want to say kid gloves because they're not handling it with kid gloves. They're definitely making their point known. Uh, but what I like about the fact that everything that they're doing is they're not they're I guess they're kind of it's, taking a neutral stand on it. They're not saying whether or not aliens should be um, well, I guess that no, uh, they, they are taking it. They're definitely not taking a neutral stance on it. They're, they're very much saying this is not OK. Um, but I mean, what they're doing is I think the way that they're doing it is they're very much holding up. a They're holding up a magnifying lens to the problem and they're kind of going through and kind of laying things out. It's kind of what James said. It's like our, our goal here is to promote change and but like also report the facts uh, and they came out strong with facts, but then they got to the heart of the issue by the end of the episode. Yeah. So they kind of did it in a way that 
the episode and James and Catco start start off, and then we see that you know the the heart of the problem actually is getting addressed as well through the editorial that he writes at the the very end of the episode. Yeah, which we kind of um, you know James was very uh, oh god, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, hesitant uh, to write because he kind of didn't want to take a stand because he felt that at that point they would become biased to to a certain side of everything uh, which is definitely again something that we're seeing in real life is a lot of people calling one news you know one news um what oh god i'm sorry i apologize it's okay yeah uh, it's calling one news source like source you know yeah you know like bias versus another because anytime that there's kind of looks like there's a view of partisanship that people immediately say you can't or can no longer trust that source. Yeah. You look at this country in the way that we look at Fox News or CNN, you know, or wherever you stand on that, more than likely you've probably said one way or the other uh, that one source or the other is bias. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, exactly. And it's and it's it's Cat, Catco Media trying to. Uh, avoid that problem happening so. yeah exactly i do want to say though uh one of the things I'm, I'm really liking about the whole catco element and the story that they're going with is the fact that james has really stepped into his own uh taking over catco in uh, in cat grant's stead he he this seems to be a role that's suited for him yeah uh, and i i kind of think too like the last couple of years catco felt like it was a kind of worthless part of the show yeah and it feels like it has a purpose again and i'm really happy about that well i mean you, you look at everything that they're going to talk about and obviously yeah they, they're going to need an element of media and what better one to use than catco yeah uh, and i think i think it's going to add a lot to this season and i think it's going to be that like i said it's going to be that lens we're going to need as viewers at certain points in time where it feels like maybe the lead characters are are planting their feet firmly on one side i think it's where you're going to see Catco come into play to under, uh, explain why. And I think that's the, I think that's going to be the important role that they're going to carry into this season. Yeah, so. no, I, I agree with that completely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things, obviously uh, one of the things going back to, um, you know, the whole Brainiac thing, Brainiac being hacked and, and being able to be seen as we did see that come out of mercy, mercy. This was something that mercy had done as a way to kind of target Lena uh, and the Luther organization, and we do see that happen. But one of the things I really did enjoy about this episode, too, is we talked a little bit about Otis and Mercy and, you know, bringing the, the, the bringing of those two characters together and making them relative to each other to be able to put them together in the episode. But when it came down to this episode, man, we got a lot of that original backstory of Mercy Graves. Uh, you know, she once was head of security for Lex, and then they tied Lena into that as well as, you know, Lena growing up with Lex looked up to Mercy. And then, you know, when Mercy left, Lex kind of, uh, you know, kind of resented her a little bit and was against her for walking out. And that turned Lena against her at the same time. So we definitely got a lot more of that original Mercy Graves backstory in right. this episode. It was nice to see that kind of unveiled the way that they did. Uh, but ultimately, though, too, when we do see, um, you know, Lena kind of uh, jump in, create a firewall and kind of block Mercy out from using the inhibitors uh, the way that she was, um, we see a really good confrontation sequence that actually had a, quite a few chuckles, actually, in it. Uh, this episode where we see, you know, 
Kara and uh, we see Miss Tessmacher and Lena trapped inside Elcor having to get down to a room. And Kara's just looking for a way out yes. of the situation to become Supergirl. But every time any she any time she gets a chance, yeah. Lena's like, no, 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 we need to do this. Yeah. And she's like, damn it. But it was a really kind of humorous moment that kind of broke up the sequences and the kind of heaviness of the episode. Um, but I really thought that was kind of a wonderfully awesome and touching uh, and humorous way on a classic Superman Supergirl problem of uh, kind of having a monkey wrench thrown into the problem time after time after time. Yeah. So it was just, it was kind of great. So, yeah. Do, well, do you have a closet I can hide in or, you know, <laughs> and yeah, I thought it, I thought it was great and they handled it really, really well. And you're right. It did. It added a lot of a little levity to, to the episode as well, trying to find that and, and trying to have that happen, especially when, when uh, Alex was calling her over her earpiece, but you know, she had to pretend like it was her phone ringing the whole time. And the whole time I'm watching it, like, yes, it gave me a chuckle, but it made me it, the reason why it made me chuckle was because I'm thinking to myself, you know, taking a look at, you know, at Eve and Lena, like, really, like, you guys cannot figure this out at this point that there's something up with Kara. But, you know, that just goes into the whole thing of that's the way it's always been with these stories, especially, as you mentioned, with Superman as well yeah so it was fun to watch um but yeah and then we did get that fight as you mentioned too with uh with lena or yeah with lena and mercy towards the end too both of them using a piece of lex armor from that her suit yep the lexo suit that her mom had worn each of them wearing a different hand which i thought was a lot of fun too yeah, and I just love every time they bring that suit back in, in some way, shape, or form. So, uh, But there's a big, huge twist that happens by the end of this episode that uh, did not see coming. Uh, and I should have, because especially early on in the episode, we even hear Otis kind of talking about uh, what you know the weaponry that they used to stop the Daxamites uh, that threw the lead particles into the air. And lo and behold, that comes back with kryptonite this time. And we they make it impossible for Supergirl to be able to be in their atmosphere, which was interesting. And now all of a sudden that new suit that we saw in mid like that, you know, midsummer previews and things like that of Kara wearing a suit that was kind of like armor. Now we know why that all correlates and connects finally. Yeah. So. Oh, I didn't even, you know what? And uh, until you brought that up, I didn't even connect the two. Yeah. So it's, it's, we now know why, but uh, it's going to pose some huge problems for uh, for the next couple episodes until they find a way to reverse this, because we know we're not going to see Kara as Kara anywhere. She is going to have to be suited up. She's not going to be able to walk around Catco unless they find ways around it. So that's uh, it's just a huge, huge way of them now having to find a way to deal with the situation and problem. Yes. So. Yeah. Kara's going to be out of the country on a pro- on a uh, on a special report. Uh, while they while they figure this out, but yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see where they do that. I didn't even really. It's so funny because I watched all of these episodes last night, so the night before, and uh, because of being sick all week, and I watched everything back to back, so it was fresh in my mind. And I'm watching it, and I did see that ending with you know we see Kara kind of passing out and, and dropping out of the of the sky, and that's where the episode ends. I didn't connect it with that suit, and I didn't even really think about the fact that she's not going to be able to be a Catco at the same yeah. time. I, I didn't even think about that. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for people like Lena and such like that. So I'm very curious to see how long this goobviously it can't be for too, too long. Um, 
but they'll they'll find a way out of the situation. Give it a couple months. Yeah, Not a couple months before the crossover. It'll be, it'll yeah, be it'll, resolved. it'll be before the crossover. So uh, we'll have like three or four episodes probably for them to get everything worked out mm-hmm. and, and get it taken care of. Um, yeah, a couple other notes before you know we move on to Arrow. Obviously, I, I bring back up the Lex talk a little bit. We do know that he's coming in at some point this season. So I like the fact that we're getting more and more mentions of Lex. They're 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 basically setting up what they're going to be doing with it. We don't know what they're doing with him yet, but they're they're setting the they're planting the early seeds yeah, of this. Yeah. So uh, which is and again, it feels like right now with Otis and Mercy there, it feels like you absolutely have to. So. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no doubt in my mind at this point that there's something that has to be done with Lex. I'm just very curious what it's going to be as and how long it's going to be for that at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, we know we, he will not appear in Elseworlds. It will be post-Elseworlds, so. Yeah. Uh, and the only other thing I can think of to bring up, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you if you have anything else, too, is we get more of the John Jones element of this one with him, you know, looking into his friend who disappeared in the season premiere. And by the end of the episode, he walks in on the the uh, the Agent Liberty and giving his whole uh, soapbox speech as to... Basically, almost setting up a cult, which is uh, which we know are going to be the agents of liberty. So yeah, yeah. we're we're seeing the big plantings of that in this episode as well, and I think we're going to see because John now being a, per, a character that's on the streets and not in the DEO, I think we're going to see him heavily entrenched in that storyline. I think so too. I I think that's going to be a big, huge piece of him trying to find his way in and kind of reporting back to Alex and 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 Kara on the how and what they need to do at this point in time yeah. so but i know i think it's either this week or the following we definitely will be seeing sam whitwear uh is not in the agent of liberty suit and kind of plain clothes so um so yeah i'm well, looking forward to seeing where it goes it's funny that you bring that up too because one of the things we forgot to do last week was our look ahead at the following week which uh we're gonna get back into this week uh so uh supergirl episode four or episode three season four the story of how ben lockwood became agent liberty is told so we are most likely going to be seeing sam Whitwer without the mask on next week cool so all right, let's jump into the next one, which is Arrow, Season 7, Episode 2, The Longbow Hunters. Felicity is determined to find Diaz by any means necessary when Diggle tries to keep her on the outs and Oliver is forced to ally with an old enemy. So, yeah, this is, um, again, mid-hero for me. Not a bad episode. Not a blow, yeah, me, I, I, not a blow me away great one either. Uh, I'd probably give it a 5 Point five six, uh, six right around there. Yeah, yeah, probably like a six for me. Uh, a couple things worth mentioning before we we jump into the breakdown. This is a arrowless episode of Arrow, not just in the Stephen Amell uh, Oliver Queen Arrow, but whoever this other Arrow character is too. Uh, there's no hood at all in this there's episode. No superheroes in this show. Actually. Yeah. Oh th- well, we we get a little we, canary we action. Get, we 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 get double canaries. It, 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 well, siren and canary. At this point. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which I think is a very, let's jump right into that because I think is a very interesting dynamic of this episode is we're seeing these two characters who very obviously hated each other last season, kind of not being forced to work. Well, yeah, I guess a little bit of ways being forced to work together Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're seeing a different side of the, um, the, the Laurel Lance canary or siren rather, 
and you know her being very regretful for the elements of last season and saying she's not that same person anymore and it's one of those situations where she's saying it in the beginning of the episode and you wonder whether or not to believe it and by the end of the episode uh she kind of made a believer out of me I really do think she regrets the actions that she took when she was working with Diaz, and she's trying to make amends a little bit. Yeah, and one of the things I'm I'm kind of curious in this, though, too, is I hope they just don't gloss over uh, the redemption, uh, where it's just kind of like, ta-da, that was it. We gave it to you in episode two. Um, I do hope that they continue to build on that, because they la- it felt like they laid a groundwork. I just hope that that gets expanded quite a bit more, so... Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that completely. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, because it was it was actually, I'm not going to lie, kind of fun to see the two of them working together. Yeah. I'm still not completely back on the Dinah train no, after I, I, last I'm season. I'm still feeling the same way about almost all the Outsider characters. And there was another person that went back on my uh, uh, my shit list this week, too. So, hey. And who, was, and who was that? Felicity. Oh, oh God. Man. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, I, I agree with you. Um. Yeah, there was. It was it was an okay episode. The one thing I have, I think, really in the grand scheme of things, while we get ready to break this down, because there's not a ton to break down. In all honesty, no, you're it... still in jail. <laughs> uh, yes, his entire episode, like uh, you know, arc was to get rid of a guard, um, to kind of leverage on who is hiring. Uh, folks on the outside for Diaz, like uh, it's him finding a contact through people like Brick and uh, Derek Sampson and Bronze Tiger and, and finding out what they know from internally. So he's got to play a little dirty uh, in order to do so. So he, he gets uh, he gets a guard fired by the end of the episode. The one that we see him from the premiere, that's kind of given him a little bit of hell. Um, but he does it in a way to make it look like the guard stabbed him. Uh, at least to get him transferred or removed from that location. So we'll see how that plays out. But beyond that, though, uh, we, we just see this episode heavily focusing on, uh, you know, Diggle kind of doing what he needs to do through Argus and really just kind of understand, like making everyone else understand. Well, not everyone else understand, making Felicity understand that they can't be vigilantes. They have to do this by the book at this point in time. So, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, but as you you know, as we mentioned at the top of the conversation, no heroes at all, with the exception of the sirens, which isn't even related to. Is it related to the Diaz storyline? No, it's not. It's it's uh, well, it is and it isn't because it's them dealing with the longbow hunters. Uh, well, one of them specifically, I think it was the silencer. Yeah, the um, silencer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's jump into the the longbow hunters. Um, see, I'm not familiar with the longbow hunters from the comic books, so I wasn't too familiar. Wasn't too sure what to expect. There's been a fair amount of them, so in different ones, and some of the ones that they're showing us here, I believe, may be original. Um, but uh, I'm not sure what I think about them yet. I... Um, they, they seem like they could be interesting, but they haven't given me anything yet. They they basically said, "Hey, there's there's, I don't know what they're supposed to be at this point. Are they just? Do they just have tech, and that's that's that, and they're just good fighters? Do they have any abilities that make them meta? Like they didn't give us a lot. They just basically said, hey, these guys are scary, and that's it. And I thought it was interesting and odd that even, the you know, Argus is kind of like, oh, yeah, well, they're the longbow hunters. And I'm like, of course they are. And it was it was like, it left me scratching my head. And I'm like, it's not 
like treating like them like a new threat. It's like, no, there's this huge mystique and lore about them. You think in seven years they would have dropped the name at least once uh, if everybody was concerned and worried about their existence. So. Yeah, I mean, especially considering the fact that Felicity steps up and says to Diggle at one point, if anybody knows the Longbow Hunters, it's me. And I'm thinking, I'm like, really? Because we don't even know who the Longbow Hunters are. Yeah. It's like, how all of a sudden do you know more than anybody else who the Longbow Hunters are? It felt like a li there was a little bit of lazy writing in this episode. Like, not and not terrible, just a little lazy. I, I think the way that they chose to do a few things was a little odd, um, but not not in a bad way. Uh, like, it was just I wish they would have expanded a little bit more. But again, we're only in episode two. There's a lot more that they can show us. Uh, so, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with those characters because they look and appear like they could be very interesting. Uh, it's just how they play them and if they play them correctly and, and right. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, the only thing I will say, too, about the Longbow Hunters before we move on to, to finish out the rest of the show and moving on with the rest is, like, we we got the introduction of the first Longbow Hunter, which was Red Dart. And um, I could see her fitting into the mix because this is obviously, uh, as you mentioned, all of these, these three Longbow Hunters that we met were, um, you know, kind of tech-oriented. And I could see her fitting in because this is a weapon of sorts. And then we get the, the second one, um, which was Kodiak, I believe, was the name of the character. And he kind of just has that shield and the armor that he uses a little bit to kind of give him a little forcefulness. And then we see Silencer. Mm -hmm. Silencer, to me, felt like more of a one-and-done Flash villain. It did. It didn't. That's the one. And honestly, I think even the way that they did Kodiak, Kodiak was just kind of like, hi, I'm a bad Captain America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, um, I can even it, see Kodiak fitting into that mold, too. Yeah. I, I think those are the two. I think the Red Dart is the one that's going to be the most interesting to watch. The Silencer, eh, it feels like with the tech that they're talking about, there's no reason that people like Curtis and Felicity should not be able to stop them some way because it's a single device that she's using that's basically shutting down sound around her. Uh, it was one of those things that I'm like, you guys should be able to beat this by now. With the amount of stuff that you've just done randomly in the show through its course between, you know, like moving nuclear missiles where they're going to hit yeah. and launch and all these little things that you can hack at an individual personal personal electronics device. I'm pretty sure you can do it. <laughs> so, yeah. um so yeah, I, I just I really want to see a lot more from Kodiak and the Silencer to make them more of a threat. But it wasn't me too or did Diaz seem very sloppy in this episode? Well, we didn't get a lot of him this episode. I mean, he he's a very right. he's a very prevalent focus of the episode because of everything that uh, you know the the dynamic that they're building between Felicity and Diggle. But yeah, he, he did seem kind of sloppy. I mean, even even the whole train fight with him and Diggle, like, That's seemed... That's where I, my thought process was, too. It's like all of a sudden John was able to rock him and stay toe-to-toe -to -toe with him from start to end of that fight where you thought Ollie was going to die every time that he got into, a, into fisticuffs with with Diaz. And this was like John had no problem. So it was just, it was a little odd. Um, it was just, I think, a little inconsistency in, in the writing uh, with how he was portrayed last year versus Nail. But it seemed like for him to kind of get involved in the front, you know, front lines, the way that he is right now and not using the Longbow Hunters seemed like an odd choice. But again, Diaz does have a bit of a uh, bit of an ego. So I'm not surprised by it, but I was surprised to see him putting himself in that 
bad and precarious of a situation with half of, you know, like the FBI and Argus looking for him. So, yeah, exactly. And I think it's one of those things that, you know, when it came to the writing, I think their main objective was to kind of build John up as a little bit more of a badass. And it did to a degree. But I think you're right. I think that the bigger takeaway from that whole thing was that it kind of diminished the intimidation factor of Diaz. Um, I don't look at him. I don't look at him now as as much of a formidable foe as I did by the end of last season, yeah. which I think is kind of underwriting everything that they they work towards by the end of last season. Yeah, I so do too. I think that I think it'll come back around, but especially once Oliver is out of prison. But I think for the moment, it kind of hurt the Diaz character more than it helped. Yeah, I do too. Um, so my biggest concern with it, with honestly with this season, and again, it's not a massive concern, but it's still a concern and it's really going to only be for the the front half. I don't think that they can do a couple more episodes like this without super heroics. Um, it, I, I, it left me concerned, uh, that how, there, uh, how many weeks can you pull this off? Because the cracks in the armor were showing in this one. And if they do this again for another two or three, I think they're in trouble. And no, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I, th- Again, we made the prediction that we think Oliver's going to be out of prison within... By episodes... I think think four to six. Somewhere within four to six, we were going to see him released. Yeah. Um, And I think they're setting the seeds for that. I think, you know, the whole thing that they did with, um, you know, with Brickwell and, you know, getting this guard fired, I think they're, they're kind of... I think they're not only setting the seeds for a, an Oliver release, but I think they're setting the seeds for, for a jailbreak, not for Oliver, but for these, for like Brickwell and Derek Sampson and, um, Ron Steiger and, and Ron Steiger. Yeah. yeah. I think they're setting something up for those guys to get out. And, uh, we, you know, by the end of the episode, we do see that Felicity has gone back to, uh, Samantha Watson of the FBI to kind of join forces with her since Diggle's not letting her into the fold. And I think we're going to see something happen where I think we're going to see Samantha Watson get Oliver released. And I think it might be to kind of bring these guys back in. It might very well be. I would not be surprised if if they realize they have to do this. We're going to have to see that whole anti-vigilante act struck down all these little pieces or or not. And they could just say, hey, you know, this was the wrong call uh, or, you know, people like Wild Dog say, I don't care. This is the right thing to do. Um, because I, I don't think we could just watch these characters mi- like mill about Argus or just get under Argus's thumb occasionally um, every once in a while. And it's not it's not going to work. Um, I, I think they need to make sure they, they transition out of this no, no longer than, you know, episode five or six. I think they're. Uh, they could hurt their um, their audience a little bit, I think, if they they take a little too long on um, on on the execution of this. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that one completely. Um, I guess the only other thing I want to bring up too is you know getting to the flash forwards a little bit. We do see a little bit more of uh, adult William dealing with um, with Roy Harper, aka Arsenal. At this point, we find out that the arrowhead that Felicity gave him, uh, in the current storyline is indeed a tracker of sorts. It does have coordinates inside of it, which lead to a spot on Lee and you to, they initially thought was going to be the body of Oliver queen and uh, the body of his father. It turns out to be a storage trunk with, uh, with the bow, uh, of, mm-hmm. of, 
green arrow and inside of it a note we don't know what that note is because roy gets it reads it and burns it but we do know that it does lead him in fact to wanting to go back uh to the mainland and i'm very curious to where this is going to go because i'm trying to figure out whether or not oliver is alive at this Um, point well you got to remember we know what happens in star city 2046 so uh, we could be heading to that point in time. We did see that back in Legends, so they could do anything that they want here, but it's very, very humanly possible we're, we're going to see this rat back around. Uh, and I would love to see that happen because we do know that John's son is, uh, is, is Connor Hawk at that point in time and is kind of become the hood. So it's the question of how this is going to play out. We know Ollie loses his, loses his arm, all these pieces. So are they going to show us that future or not? So. Well, and, and between the time that we saw that to now, the timeline has changed so much because of things that have happened both in Legends and The Flash that we could still see that timeline or we could see a different variation of that timeline at this right. point. I mean, you're right. Everything that they're doing with The Flash and, and such now is to the point where they can pretty much rewrite history at this point, make it yeah. whatever they want it to be, and it can be explained. Well, yeah, I, well, the interesting thing, too, is Flashpoint is actually what created John John Jr., John yeah. Diggle, uh, John's son, that becomes Connor Hawk. Uh, there was no John Jr. by the time that they did that in Legends. So the question is, uh, that prophecy has already come true, so very curious to see how it's going to play off. But I'm, I'm curious, and I'm, I'm excited and interested to see where this is going to go. But we already know, too, as we're going to talk about in a couple minutes with The Flash, that the timeline has already started changing again. Yeah. So, again, anything can be done and anything can be explained at this point, And it's all because Absolutely. of time travel. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to bring up, uh, a big revelation that we got with William. William's gay. Yeah. Which, yeah. again, not a problem with that at all. I just found it very interesting that they went that route with the character. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Cool. Good, good on that. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. That's all yeah. I can really say about it. No complaints. Yep. I, I just, I, it was just an interesting revelation. That's all. Uh, looking forward to next week's episode of Arrow, we're going to have the third episode of the season, that being Crossing Lines. Still in prison, Oliver faces his biggest challenge yet. Meanwhile, Felicity gets an intriguing offer, and Diggle asks Curtis to go undercover for Argus. So, uh, the intriguing offer, I'm sure, is going to have something to do with, uh, with, uh, working with the FBI. Mm-hmm. So... All right, moving on to The Flash, Season 5, Episode 3, The Death of Vibe. Following Cicada's attack on The Flash, Nora comes up with a plan that puts a member of the team in danger. So, yeah, you know, this was something I had brought up earlier in the season with the title of the episode. Uh, The title of the episode was way too obvious to mean that we were going to see the actual death of a character. I had a feeling it was simply going to be that Cisco was no longer going to be Vibe. And yep. it looks like that's exactly the, the way. It, yeah. Yep, that's the way it planned out. Uh, the way it played out. Do we think it's for the short term, or do we think this is for good? I think this is just a short term kind of thing. Uh, it, again, it's until they figure out the next best thing to do with how they deal with Cicada. Okay. Well, but we also saw that news article go out at the same time that kind of showed that to the world that Vibe is dead. So. Um, yeah, I think this is really going to come down to a little bit later on in the season once the Cicada issue is dealt with, uh, maybe by the end of the season as to whether or not, uh, there's a new role for, um, for Cisco. Uh, is he going to want to go back to become Vibe again? Cause he still has the vibing abilities. He's just not out there using them. Maybe he becomes Breacher. So 
Oh, that's an interesting one, too. It could be anything at this time. So I'm curious to see how this is going to go. Uh, on that note, um, you know, we're, we're still seeing a lot of the, the breakup reverberate between Cisco and um, um, Cynthia. Cynthia. And not nearly as much as we've seen it in the first two episodes. We get a little bit of a taste of it with uh, in the beginning of this uh, when we get the introduction of Sherlock Wells, which we'll talk about, I'm for sure. And um, I'm really hoping this is kind of the residual of that. We, we've made a lot of bones and had some criticisms of some of the other shows, especially with, uh, you know, with Alex and Maggie and that breakup taking way too long to deal with. And I kind of hope that we're moving past it now with The Flash. Yeah, I do too. So. Uh, again, we didn't get a lot of it. We got a, just a, a quick mention of it in this episode, and then they kind of moved on from it. So I'm kind of hoping this is like the ending residual elements of that when it comes to that in The Flash. Uh, yeah, that's my guess too. So, um, yeah, so let's, uh, there's obviously a couple things that we have to jump into. We, we're finding out now that the timeline has already changed, which we made a little bit of a prediction of before. Uh, but I do want to mention another DC nod that we got in this episode that I don't know if you knew about, if you mentioned, or if you um, even looked into a lot. Because I looked into this. Uh, this is one of those shows that I kind of get those nods and I'm like, oh, I have to look at that because I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Every name that they mention in this show to this point is becoming a nod to something in previously DC lore. And when we're getting the full backstory from Nora as to who Cicada was and not who he is now, the fact that he's early, we mentioned, you know, that he was one of his first kills was a person by the name of Floyd Belkin. Not sure if you know who Floyd Belkin is. It really sounds familiar, but no, I did not look this up. Uh, Floyd Belkin is Arm Fall Off Boy. <laughs> Which, again, a quick, cheap nod to a character we're never going to see no. in this universe. Uh, because, let's face it, why would we? Yeah, um, but still. Yeah, it was a nice way to throw a character like that into the mix. All right, so there's one big thing we need to talk about before we get into anything else is because it's exactly the way that the show opened. We got to see the Flausch Museum. Yes. So how awesome was that to finally see? I mean, I'm not surprised that they used Star Labs and said, here's the Flash Museum. They showed us a lot of pieces of villains that we've seen already in the show. You know, we see the reverse Flash suit. We saw the Zoom suit. We saw the Savitar armor in there. We saw... Uh, Pied Piper's gloves, you know, a lot of like we saw Mick Rory's one of like the heat wave guns. Uh, so it was kind of cool to see um, a nods to the first couple seasons of the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of cool. Uh, I think what else did we see in there? We saw I think we saw Captain Boomerang's Boomerang. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so I think there was a cold gun in there, too, somewhere. Um you know, we saw, oh my gosh, there was a lot. Uh, there was, that's a, that's a scene that I feel like I need to like watch numerous times and just kind of watch, watch through and repeat a couple times to kind of catch everything. But there was so much. Um, but yeah, it was just cool to see. And really, we only got to see like the villain section of the Flash Museum. Yeah, we didn't even see all of it because the, you know, Nora makes mention of the fact that, um, you know that that was an element of the of the museum that she was very hesitant to go into and you know we do get that quick glimpse of into it and all those cool little nods to 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 people that he's interactive with and people who he i'm sure he has yet 
to interact with. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's a couple nods hiding there for things that we're going to see this season. But uh, for the most part, I think it's it's hard to know what you're looking at because we're not used to seeing that stuff yet. So I think if when we go, it's going to be fun to kind of watch the season play out and then maybe go back and look at that scene one more time and see if there was anything else that they were nodding to. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, sorry, I was distracted for a second. Um yeah, but again, we you know, getting back to the whole element now, the Flash is, is doing something really interesting this season in that they're not anytime there's a twist in the story, they're not letting us wait on it. Now, that's I think that's gonna change by the end of this episode, uh, mm-hmm. when we get to talking about things that happen by the end. But, you know, Nora is very open and upfront with the fact that she is very obviously afraid she's starting to realize her presence in this timeline is changing things uh you know we made early mention of the fact that yes this is um she knows of cicada but things are different now cicada's early and he's somebody completely different this is um this is a new element of messing with the timeline that we're we're seeing for the first time in that we've seen you know different outcomes to fights and battles with people but this is the first time we're ever seeing something happen where a villain, you know, somebody that they're they're going to confront in the timeline, not only is it a different period in time, which is one thing you can kind of expect, uh, but it's a completely different person. Yeah, I think this was kind of a cool twist on it because I even love when we get introduced to Sherlock Wells. He's like, oh, it's David Hirsch. You know, it's yeah. kind of like he makes the, the joke. He's like. I've caught 27 cicadas across the multiverse. There are, every one of them has been David Hirsch. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, you know, getting into the whole the Sherlock element, um, break away from the main conversation for a minute just to talk about Sherlock because we're going to need to in, kind of incorporate him into uh, into this conversation as we go further. But what are your thoughts on Sherlock? Uh, he seems like he's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, it's also at the same time though, too, I, it's, I, I'm very curious on how much longer that they can introduce new wells every season. <laughs> so, uh, and I think it's also too, because I think I've gotten so, at- I was so attached to Harry by the end that it was, um, the, saying goodbye, it still feels like too soon. <laughs> so, um, but you know what? I, every time though, Kavanaugh comes into the seasons, he always ends up bringing some of the best of the best of the show. Uh, to the forefront and again it's that transition period of hey we have a new wells to deal with so i'm looking forward to seeing his layers kind of peeled back over the next couple episodes but it seems very reminiscent of uh oh my god which one was it uh sure HR? yeah yeah I, th- I think there's a little bit of elements of hr in there as well mm-hmm. um but we did you know we got the the, the early seeds planted of uh, issues that are going to arise between him and ralph uh is as to who is smarter and I think the way things were set up in the beginning in that they kind of were making it very apparent that Sherlock was smarter than Ralph. But there are definitely some differences now by the end of the story. As you mentioned, you know, this version of Sherlock has ca- has captured 27 other cicadas on 27 different Earths. This one being different. He was so smart as to making all the con- the deductions that he did was because it was very similar to all the other ones. So now we're going to have to see how smart is this Sherlock Wells uh, in reality. And well, I think in the grand scheme of things, he is incredibly intelligent. Oh, I absolutely think he is. 
And I, that's the one thing I liked is they kind of played it for a laugh a little bit. And he's like, oh, you didn't bring up timeline variants. That changes everything. It's kind of like, it's like, okay, let's take a look at this again. And because we even see him deduce a lot about Team Flash uh, and within moments of first meeting them. Uh, and very especially something we'll talk at the very end of the episode of something else he deduced about Nora. So, yeah, um, which I'm curious your thoughts on that as well. But we'll get to that, um, you know, towards the end of the conversation. But yeah, it, I love the dynamic that they're building. I'm I'm already a fan of Sherlock. Um, I am too. Yeah, I, I too. think there's going to be some elements where the French accent might get a little annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can see that being overplayed a little bit at times. But you know what? It's that little idiosyncrasy that we're going to get used to over over the course of of the uh, the season. And it's just going to become something that we're going to probably end up loving about him by the end. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the the dynamic between him and Ralph. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with him uh, with those two as they further a little bit later on into the season. But again, uh, you know, we're getting the typical butting of heads between Wells and Cisco. Uh, we've seen that with pretty much every iteration of Wells so far, with the exception of Eobard, because that relationship was already established by the time we were introduced to these characters. Um, you know, we see them kind of butt heads a little bit, and then they do indeed become friends by the end. So, And they even nod at that. It's like they're going to end up becoming best friends. Yeah. Like they make that line too, but... Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be fun to watch uh, and see. And we know now for a fact that, uh, you know, he's going to be sticking around for a while. We know how exactly how he's going to be sticking around and that he took a big payout for helping them solve a case that he assumed he already knew the answer. And now, um, you know, he has to pay back that debt which is a very large debt. So he, he's going to be around for a while. And they even make mention, like, it, it's going to take him a while yeah, to pay off and, this debt. And I love that we also get, did get to see Hare Wells again, but it was a very different Hare Wells, and it's, it makes you wonder, if is that because of the timeline as well? So I thought that was kind of unique and interesting. Yes, so. exactly. Um, a couple other things uh, before we jump back into the whole Cicada thing and then jump into the end. Do we think, and this is just my opinion on this do we think we could at some point see a shipping of caitlin and ralph i think it's very possible um that's i think it's still to be seen but i i think we probably will not because of the importance of sue dibney uh in dc comics lore that i don't think we'll see caitlin and and ralph uh, connect on that level. I would not be surprised if we meet, meet Sue Dibney by this season, if not next. Okay. All right. That, that would be interesting, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't even really think about Sue, to be honest. Well, yeah. The the, the woman that will become Sue Dibney. So. Yeah, but I yeah, think that's, exactly. Because, again, that's kind of, they're one of those, like, heavy, connected, you know, relationships in the DC Universe, too. When you think of Ralph, it's always Ralph and Sue. So. Okay. Um... Yeah, so I was curious about that as well, because we do see that's kind of like a separated storyline and that Ralph is the one that's helping Caitlin to discover the truth about her father. Uh, we see her go to her mother and question her mother about the forging of the death certificate. Uh, we do see them breaking into the office. Um, and the, um, you know, discovering of uh, the secret message that he has left for Caitlin by the end of the episode. Yep, and that come he, find me. Yep, yeah. he wants Caitlin to find where he is. Do we think that when he is discovered and he is found, is he going to be the villain that we know of, or are we going to see a different variation of of this character? 
I think we're going to see a different variation. I think things are going to be changed up quite a bit. So I, I'm thinking maybe instead of seeing a villain that we're that we're we know the the character to be. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a different variation, and I think we're going to see maybe this be a character who was developing the same abilities as Caitlyn. And kind of like the dual personality at the same time uh, between Cameron and Icicle. And this is a man who went into hiding so that this he did not become the villain that yeah. we assumed that Icicle was going to become. Yeah. So very curious to see how this is going to play out. But yeah, I'm very excited to see uh, to see what's going to come from this. I mean, they're setting up a lot of fun plot threads so far. So I'm very, very happy with the way that that's 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 been moving. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, let's jump back into the cicada element now that we've set up everything with uh, with uh, Sherlock Wells and such. Uh, you know, we're getting a lot of him from the start of this season. We're only on episode three, and there is some heavy involvement with the big bad of the season. At least the big bad that we assume is the big bad. You right. made it mention last week that this could be another wool over our eyes kind of thing, and this is he is not the true big bad of the season. This could be another Doctor Alchemy scene. You know, we it's it's very much meant to be seen yeah exactly i mean because we're very early on in the season there is plenty to go around and we're already getting a lot of story elements where we're getting hints to <clears throat> a little bit of the backstory which i think they could be diverting from the comic books on his backstory at the same time uh you know we're re it's revealed at the end that he has a wound of his own and i i think it's safe to say at least in my opinion that this wound is what's giving him the abilities that he has or is keeping him from dying of this wound. Right. Uh, he is absorbing these metahuman abilities because that is what is healing this wound. Right. And apparently, as we find out by the end, it's not healing. So he's going to have to step up his game. But, we, you know, we did get to find out, too, also that about his daughter, who is in the hospital at the same time. And, you know, somebody who he is, he is taking care of. But... You know, we, we got a lot of deduction from Joe out of this episode that that's a look that he saw in Cicada's eyes, that he could sense that he was a father. He's doing something for his daughter. He, he's There's reasons behind this aren't revealed yet, um, but he is doing this for his daughter in some way, shape, or form. Right. They're, they're making a sympathetic villain at the start of this, and uh, I think that was wise. I think it makes sense. It's kind of similar to the Sam and Ruby of Supergirl last year. It's... It was smart to have a villain that you can kind of correlate and connect to a little bit more than we have with some of the other villains. You know, I, I think this is going to play off in a very interesting way over the next couple of weeks. And I'm curious to see where we're going to be at by the time we hit the midseason finale. Yeah, exactly. Now, the only issue I have with Cicada at this point, and it's actually nothing to do with the character. I think Chris Kine is a great choice in mm -hmm. uh, the casting of this character. I can't not see him as his character from American Pie yet. <laughs> I still see him as that character and I'm just waiting for him to break out in a choir song <laughs> and start singing Do You Believe in Magic at some point which I wouldn't be surprised if that's an outtake uh, of the season as we get those towards more towards the end of the season they break out on YouTube and stuff like that I'd love to see that but it's it's getting hard for me to kind of I'm trying I'm trying to push past that as I watch this I think it's been so long since I've seen American Pie that it's uh, I've already looked past it because he's so he's such a dramatically different character. You oh, know? yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, he's a he's a vicious killer and he's a uh, he's kind of a force to be reckoned with where Ox was 
just love uh, lovable and dumb. So oh, that was his name. I couldn't think of so. it at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm able to look past it for the most part, but I still see it when I when I look at him with the mask off. Um, I, I kind of uh, kind of see that a little bit. So it, it's a little challenging, but I'm sure as the season progresses, I'm going to get through it uh, a little bit more. But we did see, you know, Cicada went for the went for the kill, man. He went well. He went for the attack. He went after Vibe, and he wanted to make an example of Vibe. Vibe was a metahuman that he was targeting, and he wasn't going to stop until uh vibe was dead and that's what leads us to the death of vibe uh and of all people to figure out a solution for this problem it was nora Mm -hmm. uh who i have to say yet again man uh jessica parker kennedy killing it as nora i think this is great casting I'm, i'm loving the character more and more i think this is unfortunately going to be a one season character i don't think we're going to see nora progress into the following season no it doesn't make a lot of sense to do so no but um you know, I'm I'm enjoying what we're getting out of her for the time being. Yeah, I am too. I I, I really loved what they did with her of her kind of deducing everything. And this was a this was a very detective heavy episode on how to best handle and solve complex problems. And um, we saw a lot of the cast get to step up to that this week. So it was really cool to see that. So and one of the things I got to say too, we're three episodes in. Man, we're getting a lot more Joe West than we have in the last couple of years. Yeah, That's always a good thing. Yeah, always a good thing. So yeah, more Papa Joe, man. Bring on as, as much Papa Joe as possible. Uh, Papa Joe and Mama Cecile, as mm-hmm. we, you know, we're getting out of this too. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really know where else to go with this, with the with the exception, obviously, of our deductions on what's, what's really going on with Nora by the end of this episode. But before we get into that, is there really anything else that we need to um, kind of touch base on a little bit before we move on? No, I, I think that really kind of covers our basis. I mean, the biggest thing was kind of actually, I take that back at the very, very end. Um, there's that little piece where we see Nora uh, is going to be moving in with um, Barry and Iris for the short term. And uh, Sherlock Wells is going to be staying at Star Labs. But we do see Star like that, that scene in Star Labs between Sherlock Wells and Nora, where he's just kind of like, it seems kind of like somebody told you to come here, but that would be ridiculous. Kind of him yeah. playing it off, but kind of the fact that he's figured out she's there for another reason completely, or somebody told her to come to this time for a specific reason. So it's the question of, is she getting played by somebody to set these things in motion now? So any um, ideas as to who that could be? None whatsoever. <laughs> I, I have an inkling. I have a hypothesis. If if you will, um, I have to say real quick too. I just the the quick nod the quick nod of um, Cisco calling Sherlock Wells um, Benedict or um, Cumberbatch. Uh, oh yeah. At one point, which, which was, was a nice nod good. to Benedict Cumberbatch's version of Sherlock, which I loved. Um, I think this possibly could be Sherlock Wells. Um, I think this could be an element of uh, Sherlock Wells is actually there for the long haul, and he could be the one that kind of told her to do this mm-hmm. i could be way off on this uh, it could be uh, the other angle of it too is the person that is now cicada is somebody she knows in the future and has a close relationship with um and maybe that's the person that kind of sends her and convinces her in the future um and i wouldn't be surprised if it actually maybe has some correlation connection to uh, we hear the mention of the the janitor at the Flash Museum in the future. Maybe that's the person that 
goes back and becomes the new cicada. Um, so you can do anything you want with this. There's so many different angles. So, so who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really all I have with that as well. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So if there's nothing else about this week's episode of The Flash, moving forward to next week, episode four, uh, Barry and Iris face the ultimate parenting test with when Team Flash battles Spin, a savvy millennial armed with Metatech and a dangerous agenda for their daughter, Nora. Uh, so yeah, so we're going to get some more metas and we're going to get a softball game, apparently, <laughs> uh, as I'm seeing in the pictures uh, for next week. And the episode after that is the one I'm the most excited about, which is all dolled up, where we get to see Ragdoll. So, yeah, but we also know that's going to be um, a couple weeks out, because there is not going to be a new episode of The Flash the following week on November 6th because of Election Night. Election Night, night. yep. So uh, that's going to be about three weeks away before mm -hmm. we see uh, that one. Uh, November 13th is when all dolled up. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too, because I like uh, I like the character. I like the casting Yeah, I do too. Uh, of Ragdoll, uh, Troy James, which is uh, going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's move on to the one I know we're dying to talk about, and that is Legends of Tomorrow, the season four premiere, The Virgin Gary. Uh, after the Legends defeated Malus and wiped the final anachronism from time, they find themselves in unfamiliar territory with the Time Bureau. All that changes when Constantine informs Sarah of a new magical threat that leads the team to Woodstock. Um, man, okay. This episode, I just want to say had such a great feel to it like I, it's weird for me to say that but like watching this this episode just felt different than the other three shows this week um like it almost felt like it felt like this was a show i was watching on netflix like it, it feels it's weird to say that but that's like that was kind of like the vibe i got from this i i, I don't that might be tough to understand um, I'm not, I'm kind of following you, but not at the same time. Yeah. Um, I have a couple theories as to a couple things that are, uh, to one or two things. One thing in particular that I can think of. Um, but man, seeing the, the team, uh, going to Woodstock was a lot of fun. Uh, seeing our first mythical creature was a lot of fun. There are definitely some things going on with Constantine that we're going to discuss. Uh, and cause we have no idea what these mean. Uh, we see Nate reconnect with his father, AKA Biff. Well, not Biff, but Tom Wilson, uh, who also played Biff from Back to the Future, which made me put a huge smile on my face. Uh, we're getting a lot of hints of Nora Dark coming into this season. And, oh, God, this was just so much fun. I don't even know where to start. And the MVP of it all, Gary. Gary, <laughs> who got his nipple bitten off by a unicorn. <laughs> <coughs> oh, sorry, excuse me. Um, okay. Too quick to even mute my mic for that one. Oh my god, but yeah, just like a lot of fun just happening with, with this episode. Um, and let's just start with the team. Uh, you know, we see them kind of put the final nail in the anachronisms, taking uh, Paul Revere uh, back to Boston uh, by the end of the episode. And that actually causes the Time Bureau to, uh, for once, celebrate the legends. They throw them a party and congratulate them for kind of locking up the final anachronism. Yeah. Uh, and pitting medals on all of them. And then we're taking those medals away from all of them. <laughs> yes. Well, she. Well, they take them away from them to hang them on a wall. Yeah. Yeah. So Very it's true. not. It's not like they're they're stripped of the medals. Yeah. But they're they're just put on display. Is, yeah. Uh, in Eva's house. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, but this. Was, 
yeah go ahead no no go ahead uh, yeah, I, I just I, I always thoroughly love the introductions to their seasons. Uh, and what I think had me smiling the most was the moment that they're all back on the Wave Rider and they're kind of like, ah, you know, it's just kind of become an old hat. And they even kind of mo- I make the you know mention of, you know, feel like we've done the same thing that we've done the last couple of years and something new would be huge and big for ratings. And then they even mention, you know, and it's kind of a great nod to the fact that Legends is a show that's always really struggled in the ratings. Uh, and they say, well, we have our big fans. And they're like, Gary, does not count. Um, <laughs> but I love the little angles and the ways that they play with this. But I loved that opening bit from even Mick because, like, I want dragons. Which, yeah. You know, it's just them just kind of like, you know, Sarah's like, what? It's calm. Everything's fine. And they're like, we all want to fight dragons. Please let us fight dragons. Uh, and it's something really fun about that. And they even mentioned kind of like, you know, we just can't keep doing the same thing we do year in and year out. And they said, you know, even Wally left and is kind of what back to look for himself. Wait. And then they make that nod. It's like, Didn't he also do that last year, though, too? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it was I love the fact that they, they made these little nice nods to to kind of reset us to where we are now. Um but I love the fact that you, you give us a show with characters are getting bored of their current situation of time travel and they have to shake up the formula. And I think this is such a fun way to shake this up with, with what they're doing with the mythical creatures. Yeah, I think, you know, going into like the little things that they mentioned in the beginning, too, with Rory, especially with Rory, uh, with Mick. Um, I think one of my favorite moments of that, too, was in the beginning with the Beatles. And, you know, we see the whole interaction with Nate and Mick being security for the Beatles and Mick saying like or uh, Nate saying to Mick, uh, you know, without the beat without the Beatles, we wouldn't have Led Zeppelin. We wouldn't have the Rolling Stones. We wouldn't have. Oh, we wouldn't have Black Sabbath and that like flipping a switch in Mick being like, oh, we have to protect these people. <laughs> you know, these guys are learning each other so well that Nate was able to like stop in his tracks and be like, OK, wait a minute. I'm going yeah. the wrong way with Mick. Uh, mm-hmm. These guys are so familiar with each other now. And I think that's something we're really going to see shine uh, over the course of this season. Uh, you know, the, these connections that these guys have made with each other. And I know we've we've made points of, you know, seeing the cast change here and there throughout, like seeing people leave and seeing people come in. But I like the fact that we now have a nice core group. You know, we've got Sarah, we've got Nate, we've got Ray, and we've got Mick. Zari is kind of becoming a part of that now as well, uh, because there's a very big scene with her and Ray by the end of this. Uh, that really led me to a major conclusion, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, towards the end, mm-hmm. uh, and what it made me realize. But yeah, like I'm loving the connection that we're seeing with these, and I think John uh, Constantine is going to be a nice new addition to this. But he's not yet a part of the team. He's very hesitant at this point to become a part of the team. And I kind of like the fact that they kept him that way. Um, that we have to watch him kind of get drugged into this. Oh, because unwilling- that's his, that's his character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. I think it would work out well. And I, I think that was a really nice touch. I, I th- the funny thing is there's not a ton to talk about with this episode, minus a couple big, huge points. Uh, let's get the smaller one out of the way, which is uh, Nate and um, his father, actually. Uh, you know, Hank, actually, getting a chance to spend some time together. So Yeah, with uh, yeah his, was, his father, Henry. Um, yeah, not, not what we anticipated or expected, actually, for this. Now, I have a question for you, and this is mm-hmm. something that I think is going to tie into the rest of the season. Uh, you know, we, we do see that one of the biggest points of contention between uh, Nate and Henry, or Hank, is, you know, that they, they were very emotionally disconnected throughout Nate's upbringing. And 
you know, one of the things was that he feels, Hank feels that, you know, his historian job is not a real job. And I think that's something that's going to come into play. We find out that Henry has taken a new job at the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that's not the case. I think Henry is part of the Time Bureau. I would not be surprised to see him correlated or connected in some way, shape, or form, and that's going to kind of get peeled back later. And how awesome would it be to have him be a time agent? I think he Uh, is. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a higher up. I think he's going to be Ava Sharp's boss. (laughs) That would be kind of interesting. I really think so. And I think when he finds out that his son is a legend, it's really going to build an interesting dynamic between these two characters. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's not just going to find out that his son is a historian, which is something that he looked down on. His son is a hero. But I think he's going to be very hesitant in accepting that because of kind of the destruction of the timeline that they, you know, all these different things that they do along the way. Uh, I think he's going to be very hesitant to accept his son as a hero. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting because we do know from the uh, what we've heard about mid like midway through the summer. That Henry is a character that a lot of people really love and is very, very much and is loved and returned by people like he's just, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see because we saw such a cold version of his character. And I think that's going to be interesting when we see the flip side of that, when everybody else works alongside of him. So I think it's going to be a really fun, cool take on things once that kind of is actually unveiled. And I would love to see kind of this a little bit of biff in there you know I, yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see see a little bit of that touched if nothing else i just want to see at some point them i i if he really is a member of the of the time bureau which i think i think is a very strong possibility at this point you know we're finding out there's a lot of different elements that lead me to believe this we're finding out that the time bureau is based in 2018 in washington dc which uh, that kind of confused me at first, and then the more I think about it, now it kind of makes sense. Because of all places to be, you, you could be anywhere in time. You happen to be in 2018 in DC. Yeah. Um. You know, you you could have been in the future. The Time Bureau could. I always assumed the Time Bureau was based in the future because of the technology that they have. Um, right. But apparently, that's which they could be. It just could be that they set up their headquarters in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think between finding out that that's where the, the, the Bureau is based, uh, that's where Ava Sharp lives, and now that's where Hank is ba- based out of, and he has a new job with the Pentagon, I think there's a very strong possibility he's going to be a, a higher up in the Time Bureau. Yeah, I think it's very, very possible. So I'm, I'm curious to see that play out. Um, but yeah, I, I think this was a, a cool thing, but it led to one of the funniest sequences when we are back in Woodstock, there is a point in time when they first encounter the unicorn, which we see a great line between, you know, Nate and 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 Ray, which is kind of like, oh, my God, we're, it's Twilight Sparkle come to life. And they're yeah. like, you're a brony. And yeah. And so it's like, oh, we're brony. We're to life. And then it was just looking at me. Come on, buddy. Join the herd. Yeah. It was such a good line. <laughs> but when they all get musked by the beast, as Constantine puts it. Yeah. Um, it is the exchange between Mick and know, Nate. Mick, Mick and Nate. Where it's just Nate looking at Mick and seeing his father and it's kind of like, hey, you know, uh, there's that great exchange. He's like, I thought you were dead. He's like, I thought you were just dead on the inside. (laughs) (laughs) But it's the flip side of it, though, is like Nate's uh, hallucination makes sense. But of course, Mick 
he sees Axel. He sees Axel the rat, which I thought was fantastic. Which was awesome. It was such a funny scene, and it was so great. But I actually just it just the light just clicked on, and I think I understand now specifically what you meant by a Netflix kind of show. Okay. Uh, probably be the amount of gore from the unicorn for one. Um, the heavy usage of drugs at, at Woodstock is probably another. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it... It's the little things that don't normally appear on the CW. I mean, so. and you, you can't it, – it's so funny because you, you can't have a show or an episode surrounded, you know, uh, focusing on Woodstock without showing somebody tripping in some point. Um, but I like the way that they did it. I mean, they basically made it so that it was the unicorn musks that caused them to trip and not actual drug use, which is a very smart play, especially considering, you know, the family dynamic of these shows. Um, they're still tripping, don't get me wrong, but it's not drug use, it's, it's unicorn musk. Um, and I do like the fact too that by the end, I mean, there's a little bit of a horror element to this too, and when you see the true revelation of what the unicorn looks like. Oh yeah, which was actually surprisingly looked really cool. Yeah. I, I was very pleased with the designs and overall looks of things, like, even when they just have a unicorn come up and like, it's like burying its fangs and you're like, okay, that's kind of creepy, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, they did a really good job with all those little pieces though. But I, I, you know, we do get some other revelations throughout this as well. Uh, we didn't talk about, you know, obviously Sarah and Ava um, wanting to move in together before we get to the, the big stuff with John at the end. Um, we, we definitely see John is kind of antagonizing Sarah in the beginning of the episode, kind of breaking into Ava's apartment. And yeah. still seeing that there's resentment between John and Ava, which I think is going to be fun to see play off because Jess McKellen and Matt Ryan uh, play off of each other in a really fun way in the show. So uh, the fact that we know both of them are season regulars, it's going to be really fun to see that dynamic consistently kind of cause problems for Sarah and how that's going to get diffused. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing that continue on as well. Uh, but we also see uh, Ray very much, as you mentioned earlier, too, pining after Nora like he's. He's very much in love with her and Zari kind of kind of pulling that out and kind of being like, that's a doomed relationship, man. Like it's it's not wise to kind of look at, but kind of there's a beautiful scene at the very end of the episode that we'll get to when we, we get ready to wrap up. Um, but I really thought that all these little pieces kind of worked really well. The only character that didn't feel like they had a big uh, overarching piece was, was was Mick at the start of all this. But you know what? Um, he was just, it felt like he was along for the ride. So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what? I'm okay with that. We didn't have mm -hmm. to have something from every character right. this episode. I, I still think we didn't get a, a, any big character development out of Mick, but we got a lot of great lines out of Mick this episode, you know, between, you know, seeing him dealing with Axel and, you know, the Beatles line that I mentioned earlier on, uh, you know, the margarita machine, you know, the open bar at their you know, at their, their celebration. Uh, Mick is still a fun character, whether we got more character development out of him or not. It's and yeah. I, I know I have no doubts we're going to see more character development as we go. Yeah, absolutely. As we as we progress further. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, let's talk about John for a minute. And then I have the, the big thing that I the kind of revelation that I came to. by the, or do you do you want me to do that now before we talk about John? Oh, go for it. Go for it. Um, we do get that element at the end. You know, we mentioned, uh, you know, kind of Ray pining over Nora. And we do know that Courtney Ford, who is his real life wife, is going to be playing uh, a larger part into this season, uh, if not a member of the team by the end, maybe for a short period of time. 
because uh, she is most likely on the run through time at this point. Uh, but we do get that moment where, uh, you know, with uh, with Zari and Ray at the end, where Zari takes Ray to see her her mother uh, and herself, as a matter of fact. And the fact that, you know, Nora or Zari feels guilt almost every day about the fact that she could very possibly change her her past. Uh, which in return would change your future. But listening to that entire conversation made me realize that over the course of these four shows, Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and Legends, these guys, these Legends of Tomorrow, are the most powerful ones of all. They really hold all of the power because they could change anything yeah. at this point. They could undo a death. They could change time. These guys hold all the cards. Well, it's, but it's they that don't booster ex- gold of it all, you know. Like yeah, booster gold is is the world's greatest superhero that no one knows exists, you know. Yeah, I mean they they have they hold all the cards that they could exploit at any point, but they don't. And I think that's what makes them, I think that's one of the uh, kind of underlying elements as to why I've grown to love this show as much as I have. Yeah. That was just yeah. something I, I thought of during that whole conversation, like watching, listening to that conversation. I was like, it, it, it finally, I think it was something I always knew, but it was something that just kind of clicked and like, yeah, these guys could pretty much do anything they want. Yeah. And I, I think they really do a great job of showing how much restraint it takes to be a legend. And I think the audience definitely believes that if you've been along for the ride this far, you you would probably agree with that statement. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I still have my, my one friend, Chris. Um, I, we, we talk about these shows from time to time, too. And, and like he he enjoys Legends, but he's just not sold on how much we love it. Mm-hmm. Like it's out of the four shows. It's probably it's it's number four for him. I know um, a lot of people like that, though. And, but I think it's just something that I think in getting to talk about the, the episodes every week, it's something that's just added to the point that like we've kind of done a deeper analysis of the show and kind of going under what the surface of the show is. And because of that, you and I have just built this love for this show. Oh, yeah. And like I love getting more people to give the show a second shot and a second chance. It had a really rough uh, freshman outing and um, by its sophomore uh, sophomore season, it it really proved what it could be yeah and going back real quick to the whole to the whole henry thing and being part of the time bear this was something i wanted to mention before too and getting a little bit of biff um i want to see an episode where henry has to has to ride the wave rider back to the 50s (laughs) and in order for henry to fit in he's got to drive around a car and they get the same car that biff used to drive uh that would be amazing that would be a Uh, perfect nod to his character from back to the future even if, we, imagine even, it, even if we get a, a Christopher Lloyd cameo this year. Or something oh, like God. That. <laughs> that would be... Jesus. Or just somebody... You know what's got to be on their short list. Uh, oh, they have to. They have to... You know with him signing on to be in this, they have to find ways to nod to Back to the Future at least once. Yeah, you know what's going to happen. And, so. the, and uh, the episode that it happens, uh, I'm going to geek out so hard <laughs> that I'm not going to know what to do with myself. So. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to Constantine. Yes. Two really running short on time so yeah uh so what do we think is going on with john i mean we're seeing him potentially uh some a demon attempt to possess him by the end well uh, you know it's it's very 
positive, like possible that. <coughs> excuse me. Oh, all right, I was trying to mute that one too, and I couldn't get. To That's my, all right. That's my all button. right. Uh, but no, I think um, it's very possible we could maybe see some threads from it, maybe the original Constantine TV show. Uh, maybe it, it was the big bad that was meant to be in that show, or it could be. It could be something wholly new. I mean, it really could be anything under the sun. But I think the one thing that they're going to be very smart of, even if you never saw that original show, you're definitely going to get introduced to this for the very first time here. I don't think you're going to expect anybody to have seen that original show before. So. Yeah, and I think the writers are going to be smart in doing that as at the same time. Um, I, I think this potentially could be the, also the introduction of the big bad for this show. Yeah, I uh, would not be surprised. And, you know, and the reason why John is going to as hesitant as he is going to eventually join the team uh, and ride along with him because he's going to realize, you know, the whole thing that, you know, Sarah tells to him, like friends don't hold us down. They help us. Um, I think he's going to realize he's got a friend in Sarah. He can have friends with the rest of the team. And as much as John has been a loner for most of his life, uh, he's going to realize he's going to need the help. Yeah. And you know what? The one thing I want to say is there's one episode I would kill to see. And I want to see them go back to purgatory in this season because I want to see Jonah Hex and John Constantine share a drink together. Because how awesome would that be? That would be fantastic. <laughs> so it's possible. Never, never say never. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I really don't know what else we can say about John at this point because there's really we don't know much else about that other than that short tease at the end. Yeah, we 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 got a very light amount of John, but it was just the perfect amount of John in this this you know premiere. Um, and uh, like I said, again, let's at least get into Gary real quick. We do see, you know, this beautiful fast paced heist kind of thing play out over Woodstock where John needs these elements to different uh, pieces of a spell. Uh, basically kind of like a talisman of a great, uh, of a great, you know, shaman, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Hendrix. Sal- yeah. The saliva <laughs> of kind of like a prophet and then like Jerry Garcia. Yeah, the thread of a hair of a doomed woman, Janice Joplin. Janice Joplin, yes. But, like, I love just watching the legends having to pluck these items from these people as they kind of go around just to be able to pull the spell together to kind of lure in uh, the beast uh, itself, you know, and, and bring in this, this evil unicorn and using Gary as the virgin. Yes. Um, to, as their kind of pseudo-sacrifice. But it was just I loved watching the little pieces of of Gary and John's friendship, though, also being there in the forefront. And Gary's like, are you sure I'm a virgin? What about that thing that we did? He's like, nope, Nope, you're you're still a virgin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I love every just every element that they've done. This was such a strong premiere. And I I can't wait to see where this this season's going to go. It's going to be a lot of fun. But it was, again, a really great opening start to uh, to to Legends this year. And out of all these shows, man, I, I really thoroughly loved each and every one of these premieres. The Legends one has me the most excited. Yeah, yeah, agreed completely. Uh, all right, looking forward to next week, the episode two of the season. When the magical time seismograph goes off, uh, the team finds themselves headed to Salem, uh, headed to the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, Sarah notices that Zari is taking the case personally when she promises to save, and it doesn't continue, uh, to save a mom who is being accused by a witch hunt. Uh, being accused of being a witch. Uh, so yeah, so we're going to get witches and we're going to Salem next week, which is going to be a lot of fun too. And I think the episode after that is Wet Hot American Bummer, <laughs> which is, is I think, kind of like a Camp Crystal Lake kind of thing. No, the episode after that is Dancing Queen, where they're going to 1970s London. London. 
Oh, that's right. The 70s episode, I know what that one is. That is when we are introduced, I believe, to Maisie Richard Sellers' new character for the first time. Uh, yeah, and next week's episode, The Witch Hunt, is when we're getting introduced to Alaska U, who we know is going to be a new character this season as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, so, we're going to – the werewolf creature. So Yes, so yeah. it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm uh, super, super excited to see where things go this year. Yeah, so not a bad week for uh, nah. for all four of these shows. No, not at all. And, and again, uh, like I said, I'm really excited about the new seasons, though. All the shows have been proving that they've, they have they can keep us hooked again. Uh, and again, there's a couple ones I know I give a little bit lower scores to, but again... The premieres are what mattered, and right now you can have a you can have a couple slow slumps in the very beginning, but I wouldn't expect any of these shows to stay in a slow slump long. So yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, I'm sure there I'm sure there is some news out there in the world of DC, so let's hit that now. All right, so we're gonna start off with a bang. Um, so there's two big things for the Elseworlds crossover. The small one is we got our first kind of tease of a behind the scenes shot of the Monitor. And man, oh man, does he look exactly correct. Lamonica Garrett uh, is, there's a quick shot of seeing him kind of blurry in the background. Um, But he looks like he's been pulled right off the pages of the comic book. uh, And I'm incredibly excited. But more specifically, what was even bigger than that was the unexpected massive thing that had both me and Ben geeking out. (laughs) John Wesley Shipp is returning to play Barry (sighs) Allen a version of him that we see kind of a continuation of his character from the 90s TV yeah, show. Yeah, I can't uh, wait. Down to that show, thus, uh, that suit looking like it came right out of then. And man, oh man, it looks fantastic. And I know a lot of people uh, and a couple of our people's even stated, hey, uh, Flash team, uh, quick note, this is how a suit can look. Because um, I know a lot of people still not too pleased with that new suit. And uh, I'm still kind of unfortunately on one of them. I'm um, still not coming around on it, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I'm okay with it. I'm able to look past it at this point. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I love the actors underneath the, uh, uh, you know, in in involved, but it still still feels like the one that just doesn't mesh with the rest of the Arrowverse right now. So, but again, how awesome it is that we're going to see John Wesley Ship suit back up? Because uh, man, this is this Elseworlds is turning out to be something crazy. We also had the Trigger Twins reveal too. We mentioned last week, which are uh, both a set of heroes and villains in the DC universe. So we know we're going to be seeing these characters kind of doing triple duty in some of these cases. So really looking forward to seeing what we're going to what we're in store for. But it sounds like it's going to be something amazing. And I'm kind of sad that we're only getting three episodes of what could be probably one of the coolest things ever instead of four. So, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's I think at this point, the whole not involving the legends was probably a smart idea. Yeah. Um, all right. So jumping over to some Supergirl news, uh, we found out that James Olsen's sister is going to be joining, and that's going to be Kelly Olsen. And that's going to be played by Jane the Virgin actress as a, uh, I think it's uh, Tesfi. Uh, that's T-E-S-F-A-I. So sorry if I killed pronunciation. Uh, if you've stuck around for the news with many times, you've heard me butcher a thousand names. So this <laughs> is just one new one to add to the list. But it uh, sounds like we're going to be making, uh, she's going to be making her appearance later on in season four. We're not sure when, uh, but it sounds like we're going to see her uh, relatively soon. So it sounds like in the first front half of the season. Uh, jumping over to The Flash, we have a little bit of news. It sounds like uh, come episode 100, we may see a past speedster villain or two join for the big episode. And it sounds like uh, officially Tony Todd uh, spoke. It sounds like that he may be uh, wanting a piece of berry come episode 100. So it sounds like Zoom may return. 
Uh, and the question is how and and why and when. So Ooh, could we see uh, uh, a return of? Um, oh my God, why is his name blanking? Um, we had him on the show. Um, oh. Hunter Zolomon. Uh, um, yeah, Hunter, yeah. What the hell's his name? I can't. Teddy, Teddy Sears. Teddy Sears. Oh my God. So very possible that Teddy could be coming back. Uh, so it's a big wait and see, but the big episode 100. So I would not be surprised if we see multiple speedsters or if we see him maybe just portray Black Flash. So who knows? Uh, but in addition to that, though, too, another big uh, previous villain that's made well, a pretty surprising and big one-time-only appearance. Uh, played by the actor David uh, Dalmanshin, uh, that is Abracadabra. Sounds like he could be making another appearance yet again this year as well. So he just basically went on to kind of give a little bit of say, uh, you know, uh, flashes creeping up to the hundredth episode. I think uh, Abracadabra could show back back up and finally teach old Barry a lesson for once. So he said, uh, "It's uh, don't be surprised if we see a big return of." big couple classic villains come episode 100 all right jumping over into some dc universe stuff uh we have found out officially while we've reported previously that alan tudyk would be voicing uh, a character in harley quinn the animated series we now found out officially he is the person voicing the joker in harley quinn so very much looking forward to seeing what he brings to that role yeah uh, jump and then uh jumping into the movie side of things there's only a couple small little pieces here uh, but we did find out officially Wonder Woman 1984 has been pushed back uh, seven months instead of uh, the November 1st, 2019. We now found out that it's going to be pushed to June 5th, 2020. So uh, I think it's again, there was a uh, sound like it was a pretty busy schedule right around then, too. So I think this was uh, it gives it the ability to steer clear of the sequel to Jumanji, Star Wars Episode 9 and Frozen 2 which were all coming out in that same timeline, super close to within about three or four week time. So this was a really smart move by uh, Warner Brothers to make sure that uh, Wonder Woman had her chance and time to shine. Yes. So uh, back in that summertime slot that the first movie had. So uh, Birds of Prey, it sounds like it could be going under a name change. Uh, it sounds like uh, that Kathy, Kathy Yen at Warner Brothers is not officially sold about calling this film Birds of Prey. Uh, so no one's quite exactly sure what this could be titled. Uh, maybe this could be a retitled Gotham City Sirens. That's a big wait and see. So we'll report on that as more information breaks. Uh, jumping over into Joker, we had two additional pieces of casting that came out this past week. Uh, Todd Phillips' film, which is uh, still knee-deep in production and shooting. Uh, we have found out that Douglas <coughs> Hodge has landed the role of Alfred Pennyworth. But in addition to that, though, too, uh, Dante, uh, I think it's Perrier Olsen, has been cast as uh, a young Bruce Wayne. So... Uh, we'll be seeing both of those ca uh, characters added in. I would assume that they're very small roles. That's what I would think, too. Is they, so. They're, they're kind of just background roles. Um, jumping into the animated realm, uh, there is one story that I thought was uh, I completely missed, but it sounds like uh, come uh, early January is when we'll be seeing the Reign of the Superman make its appearance on digital. I don't have an exact date, but I think it's uh, January 26th for Blu-ray before uh, hand. But soon, we'll, as soon as we find out that digital date, we'll make sure we'll let you guys know. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, that full first teaser trailer is up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash DC primetime. But last but not least, uh, something that most of you have not seen yet, but it just made its way out because Teen Titans Go to the Movies is making its home video debut in the next week. But there was a trailer attached to that Blu-ray that uh, is showing something kind of exciting. And we don't know too, too much else yet if this is going to be a new animated film that's going to be going to uh, the big screen or if this is something that's going to just be hitting a series of small screens but 
the teaser trailer on the Blu-ray is Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans, which is the Teen Titans from the original series, what all these original voice actors came from. So it is actually going to be those two rosters versus each other. So I'm very curious and looking forward to seeing when that happens. Yeah, and so. it's, it's going to be interesting to watch, too, considering that they're going to have to voice both. Yeah, um, but I'm really <laughs> looking forward to seeing this because, again, I've probably watched Teen Titans go to the movies at least seven or eight times. But uh, but if you haven't seen it yet, Teen Titans go to the movies makes its debut uh, on Blu-ray uh, this coming Tuesday. Cool. And that is it for the news. All right, cool. Uh, so we'll throw out a couple recommendations for you guys, our, our cheap plugs, and then we're going to get out of here for the week and save our throats. Uh, before we go into that, though, we just have to let you know, just a little bit of a heads up, next week's episode will most likely be a day delayed. Uh, yes, and that is be- not maybe. It will be a day delayed. <laughs> uh, <coughs> I actually have off that Monday, so uh, we'll record that Monday morning. As, as do I. So, um, yeah, so we're, we'll record on Monday during the day. Um, so maybe not a, de- a day delayed, but maybe uh, as we usually release on Monday nights uh, or on Monday mornings, uh, we'll possibly try our best to get it out to you by Monday evening uh, yes. so that you'll have it. So maybe half a day delayed uh, at that. Uh, but that is because it is finally time for Extra Life. Rob and I are next weekend are going to be part of our team uh, in which we do the 24-hour gaming marathon for Children's Miracle Network, uh, more specifically Children, uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Uh, we, we do still have those prizes available to anybody who wants to donate. So rather than do the full spiel, as we usually do, I, I just encourage you to go to our Facebook page. Uh, go to Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. It is the pinned post at the top of the page. Uh, you will see images of some of the prizes that we are raffling off and how you can win them. Uh, and this will be the last you're going to hear us talk about this. So this is your last opportunity to get in and win some of those prizes that we're giving away. And Kevin Conroy autograph on a statue. Yes. It's it's worth it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely worth it. Uh, so go to the Facebook page again, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Check out the prime the pinned post at the top for all the details. Uh, and this, again, is your last opportunity to get in, into this raffle. Um, so with that being said, and now that we know that we're – because we're going to be recovering on Sunday, which is why we're not going to be recording Sunday morning. We'll record Monday morning instead. Um, all right. My recommendation for this week. I don't know what yours is, but mine stems down to three words. Red Dead Redemption. Um, two. two. Well, three <laughs> words in a number. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got. I finally got the chance to to jump into it. I was originally planning on playing it on Friday when it was when it released. Um, but instead I found out by playing the Spider-Man DLC that there was a new game, um, a new game uh, mode. Yeah. New game plus. Uh, and there were two additional trophies. If you could beat new game plus on ultimate difficulty and I did it, it took me all day on Friday, but the beauty of it was I didn't have to do any of the side missions. I just did the main plot through and, um, yeah, I got through it on Ultimate Difficulty and got the trophy. So I finally started Red Dead Redemption um, yesterday, and it is gorgeous. It is uh, it's a-, a really stunning game. Um, uh, it, it has not not hooked me in full yet, but I'm, I am thoroughly enjoying it. I'm probably about maybe eight or nine hours in. Okay. Oh, you're more than into, into it than I am. I'm uh, maybe about four or five. Um, and I'll get a couple more in today, too. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2, PlayStation and Xbox One. Um, if you haven't played it yet and you have the opportunity, I highly recommend it. Uh, mine's just going to be mirroring just the Extra Life stuff, so definitely make sure to head over to our Facebook page uh, and then head over to Extra Life make sure to donate. Uh, and uh, beyond that, 
that's it for me. So uh, good special thanks to George Shaw at George Shaw Music. We thank him each and every week for the tunes you get to hear on our show. Uh, and then you can always find me, and I'll let Ben close us out after this. Yep. Um, I just realized I jumped. That's fine. <laughs> so, it's fine. Um, we but adapt. You can always, yep. Uh, you can just always find me at the Caffeine Crew cast of pods over at nextlevelradioonline.com. Our Halloween episode just came out this past week, so definitely get a chance to give that a listen. And then next month, we'll be uh, doing uh, Mel Brooks films. So Yeah, I can't wait for that. Uh, and then, of course, you can catch me on other podcasts as well, uh, including Lost. Uh, we have to go back, Lost Revisited, also on the Next Level Podcast Network, as well as The Spotlight, which is the uh, celebrity interview podcast that I do as well. And other great podcasts such as Panels to Pixels, which is covering all the Marvel TV shows right now on netflix um and there's a couple other new podcasts in development that are possibly going to be jumping onto the network in 2019 so plenty of content all over at nextlevelradioonline.com facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline and of course once again the facebook page for this podcast facebook.com slash dc primetime last but not least we are now on instagram and twitter and you can follow us on both uh, uh which uh the handle is dc primers for both of them because we want to make that about you and an opportunity for you guys to follow us. So uh, for the next week, follow us and we will follow you back. Don't care who you are, uh, we'll follow you back. But that's going to wrap it up. Uh, all four shows next week we're going to be talking about. Um, but until then, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.